We all know that I love making and recording my own podcast. Loudmouth is my heart and soul. But what's even more fun is that it's easy to do. And guess what? (laughs) You can do one too. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Because it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and anywhere else you can listen to podcasts. You can make money from it with no minimum listenership. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast right there in one place for free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Loudmouth Podcast. I'm your host, the one and only host of Loudmouth, Madison Hadler here. Happy Wednesday or whatever day you're listening to this on. I hope you're doing great. If I'm with you getting ready in the morning, good morning. I hope you have a wonderful day. And if it's at night, I hope that you did have a wonderful day. Um, Or if it's at work, you know, I hope you're having a good work day. I think I covered all the bases there. But I hope that you guys are doing well, and I am so excited for this episode because in real time, this person and I talked for over two hours just about shit, and I was genuinely just asking them so many questions on their opinions on things because I just wanted to know. So this conversation was over two hours, so I edited it down a little bit, but I didn't want to take out all the meaty stuff, which there was a lot of meaty stuff. So I hope you enjoy this little bit longer of an episode. Um, Today's guest is Pablo the Don. Now, I found Pablo on TikTok, and I just, they're a music and culture critic, and I just loved I talk about this in the episode a little bit, but I just truly was drawn to them by the way that they critique things because one, they obviously know what the fuck they're talking about, but two, just the way that they're able to articulate the feelings of an album or a song and kind of separate art from the artist and everything like that. Like they are so good at telling these, you know, critics, critiques in just one minute videos on TikTok. And so I had to have them on, but they are so awesome and amazing. And I'm so excited for you guys to listen to this episode because not only are they great at what they do and great at articulating, you know, their feelings about different songs and what they think of them. They also are just truly so nice and kind. Like during this, my, I was using my old laptop and I ran out of space. And so Zoom stopped recording and they recorded the rest for me and then sent it to me later. And also taught me a little bit about how to do video and audio together and everything like that. So I really hope you enjoy this episode because it's so interesting and it's something that I didn't really know a lot about until I found Pablo. So I hope that you guys learn a little bit about that, about it and about them and enjoy our conversation. that you agreed I found you on TikTok and I was like so interested in everything you had to say and I was like I have to ask them to be on my podcast I have to oh yeah no problem thank you again I appreciate you reaching out and stuff yeah 
Yeah, so my name is uh, Pablo, um, or at least that's what everyone knows me by. <laughs> and um, I'm a music and culture critic. Um, I've been writing about music and culture. God, I think the first thing I ever wrote was at like 15, but I've been getting paid for it for the last three years for the most part. And um, I'm 25. Well, I will be in July. Okay. And um, yeah, I mean... I've been a journalist. I've done hard news. I've done music and pretty much the last like three years though, because I graduated college in 2018, I spent mm-hmm. one year in music, um, like professionally after graduation, one year in hard news doing both like uh, news broadcast and written hard news. Mm-hmm. And then one year of nothing because I didn't do anything during the pandemic. So one year laid off. Oh, the lovely pandemic, isn't it? Just uh, right. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I graduated in the pandemic, so oh, I just oh god. Yeah, so I just bartended during the whole pandemic because I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna find a job right now. They're just, but that's so cool. So you went to like hard news is how you describe. Well, what did you do for that? Um, so I spent a little bit of time being a producer on a local newscast, okay. and then I spent another time about a year or so being a reporter who covered uh, homicides in D.C., actually. So I spent a year in D.C. covering homicide. Oh, my God. And, yeah, <laughs> it was it was. Yeah, it was you, nuts, honestly. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Why did you kind of decide to go into that for a year? Was it just um, I was just kind of burnt out and music was really hard to break into. And I felt like I had done all the hard work and quote unquote, what they call in the industry, paid my dues, which mm-hmm. is basically work for free for rich people. And I felt like I had done all my, uh, like enough of that. Yeah. And I, it was time for me to get paid. Yeah. And I just was like, okay, if uh, this isn't going to pay me, I will go do this over here. And so through my college, I like ended up joining a fellowship. And for that fellowship, I got picked for um, opportunity to apply for a job. And then I applied for the job through the fellowship and ended up getting it and pretty much picked up and moved immediately (laughs) after that. uh, Cause I had spent some time in New York before that, about like six months in New York. And yeah, so I came back uh, and just spent some time home like two months and then moved to DC and did hard news. So whenever you were living in New York, was that when you were doing the free work? That was my free work and like ending, finishing college essentially. Okay. But, um, uh, my free work goes well before that too. Um, but yeah, so I went to New York, my, the year that I graduated, my school had an opportunity to like send, it was like a study abroad, but it wasn't really abroad. Like you got to go to New York or DC. <laughs> did, um, like basically like an eight week crash course in solutions journalism, which is like journalism based in finding solutions to like real world problems, like homelessness or like um, health equity and stuff like that. Okay. I spent a couple of months doing that. The program ended after 10 weeks and I kind of just sat in New York for a while after that. So I figured I needed to do something. Uh, got an internship over at Revolt with okay. the city and it just sucked. Yeah. Free essentially. And then the next year he ended up having to pay his workers because he worked one into the ground and they sued him. Yeah. So you were right before that. That's right before. Did they ever contact you to like, um, give any stories or anything? Not really. I think I was more like in the background when I did that opportunity, like I was not there long at all. Cause I was like running out of money. I was like, I got to move. 
So I think I might have done it for like a month and a half, two months. And I was like, all right, y'all, that's been fun. See you later. Yeah, I got uh, to go. go. I'm not getting paid anyway. I got to go. Um, but yeah, I no, they never did. Like it was uh, that case was that case alone. And like, mm. granted, I was in like, I want to say like graphics and like the finance department. Like it wasn't anything. I was in the weirdest department. Honestly, I'm surprised I even got it. I didn't even apply. <laughs> like it didn't even apply to anything I wanted to do. I just like was like, at least it's something on the resume. Yeah. Type so I did that for two months and then I dipped. Isn't that <laughs> and fun came back home? Exploit ourselves to be to be anywhere near the industries that we want to be in. That's why I tell people, like, do not like it's almost illegal to not pay your folks now, especially if you're a Fortune 500 or like a big company. You have to recognize when taking an opportunity over money is worth it. And when it's like, no, I should be getting paid. You have the money to pay for me. Yeah. Like, like, come on, like, stop, like doing something for free is like a what it should be a one off. Like you do one thing for free. Yeah. Not like a six month commitment for free. And like you expect me to come to work cheerful every day. Like, <laughs> dude, I am like, I am breaking my back to literally <laughs> breaking my back for free for you to make money and you're making money hand over fist. Like absolutely absolutely not. If you don't have enough money to pay interns, why do you need interns? What um, are you doing that requires interns? I think that's also why I started just learning how to do everything myself is to like circumvent having to pay people for it. Yeah. So I got like decent enough at graphic design that I like my design so I can use them. And if you don't like it, all right, but like are you gonna pay a graphic designer? Yeah. And then like I got decent enough at, well, I mean, I got my degree in broadcast journalism. So I learned the basic of video editing there, Mm -hmm. but I got like really good at it because I was not paying a video editor for anything I wanted to do. Uh, Same thing with podcasting. I literally learned on YouTube, like everything's on YouTube. And people like, it's so expensive to start a podcast. I'm like, bro, max you need is like maybe a hundred, 200 bucks, a subscription to like SoundCloud or or whatever. And now you can use Anchor, which is Anchor. That's literally what I use. YouTube University is what I like to call it. YouTube University. That's exactly what it is. Exactly. Honestly, do we even need degrees anymore? Not really. No. um... (laughs) God, I wish I would have known that. I don't know, about seven years ago when I started college. Don't let anyone convince you you can't wing it because you can. Because you absolutely can. So what kind of made you decide to start getting into music critique and culture critique and all that kind of stuff? Um, I always pretty much been into music for the most part, even when I was a kid. Um, my parents were kind of strict with what I was allowed to listen to and whatnot, but any music they let me listen to that wasn't like Christian was good. Like there was nothing bad that they ever exposed me to. My mom was a big Prince fan. Um, my dad grew up in Jersey, so he was like into house music and like, he was the first person that told me about Crystal Waters. So besides, and then I came from like a Christian, uh, background. So I'm growing up with like Kirk Franklin and Yolanda Adams and, Mary Mary and CC Winings, like like it was just a big thing. And those were all like powerhouse once in a lifetime gospel singers, all kind of reaching their peak when I was a kid. Yeah. And then and then I also went to private school. So I also was getting into like Christian music, um, which was like Toby Mac and DC Talk and stuff like that. And then I was listening to Radio Disney's in the early <laughs> days. So like I remember like LMNT with Hey Juliet coming on all the time or like Weezer with Beverly Hills. Oh, um, yeah. BB Mac <laughs> back here. Like, and I'm looking at Disney Channel. Like that's when they had like the Disney stars singing their stuff. Like the Circle of Life remake was like on repeat. 
and I had all the Disney manias. Like I just always kind of been into music. I have like a big CD collection from back then too, of just like, like Bow Wow, like (laughs) just random stuff. So at first when I got to college, I was going to actually be a physical therapist because what I think a lot of people now don't know about me is I actually played collegiate level basketball for a year. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) I played basketball for a year. (laughs) And um, so I really wanted to go into physical therapy at first because I just thought like once basketball ends, I need something fireproof. And then I blew, I blew up my knee and then didn't end up playing anymore. I had to stop. So then I kind of was like, I don't want to be a physical therapist anymore. Like I'm not passionate about that. And then fun fact, I found out like one of my best friend's sister was going to school to be a physical therapist. And I suck at math anyway. I don't, I don't know angles. So we're just not going to do that. And so I was like hurt. I was injured and I'm sitting there talking to my mom and I'm like, I don't know what to go into. I don't know what to go into. She's like, I mean, you never shut up. You always are talking and you really like music. So why don't you just go into like music and journalism? I'm like, dang, I have written a few things. Like when I was like younger in high school about music and like my love for music. And I always DJed all the parties at school. Like I was the person on Ox. Like I personally, like I purposely avoided any type of shenanigans, like no drinking, none of that. So I could DJ. So everyone else could have a good time because everyone's going to remember that I DJed and they're going to ask me to do it again. So I like DJed all my high school parties on my little iPhone just was like, let me plug in. Like I was that kid. Like, yo, can I, can I control the ox tonight? So, but I always would put people on to great music. Like for the solid, like my junior and senior year in high school, every party I got invited to off the strength of being good on ox alone. That's it. Honestly, that's that's some clout though. That's some, no, it was, it was because everyone saw me as the basketball kid and never as because I went to like not an elite high school, but one of the top public high schools in the country. And no one ever saw me as smart because I was just too focused on basketball at the time. Like I, I knew I wanted to go to college for basketball for a minute. They underestimated me, which was fine. Cause like, honestly, I wasn't even paying attention anyway. <laughs> I was more focused on like practice and stuff. And so when junior year came around and more people started having house parties or actually sophomore year, I was like, all right, I'm going to start going a little bit. Cause I had a little bit of free time on the weekends now <laughs> to kind of go. And then senior year, I had like literally just in season for school basketball. And once that ended, which was like January, everybody started throwing house parties. And I'm like, I'm going, I'm going to all of them. This is the time to make my name. (laughs) No, literally. And so, yeah, I was always the person that DJed the parties at school. I DJed my prom after party, like on an iPhone the whole time. Like I had like the queue set up, everything. I just kind of sat there and had like this big epiphany. And I was like, I mean, you're kind of made for that. Yeah. Like you've kind of been doing it already. You've kind of been tapped in. It only made sense for me to pursue it. And so I did. And that's yep. how that happened. So did you change your, you change your major once you were in college to journalism? Yeah. So I did a year of basketball, blew my knee out, stayed at that school for one more year and then dipped to uh, FIU. I went to FIU. I graduated oh, okay. from FIU. Dipped to FIU, got my degree in broadcast journalism and uh, marketing and music. And then boom, that was it. I guess kind of explain that, like, how do you kind of get started in like the music critique kind of world, like writing for it and stuff like that? So what I ended up doing at FIU was I joined uh, like our local our paper there. And at first I wanted to go into radio broadcasting because I like kind of liked my voice. I know that's narcissistic, but like, no, it wasn't horrible. I will say (laughs) it wasn't horrible. So I was like, I kind of like this. But then I was like, okay, you need to write first. And um Actually, I sat down with a professor 
my favorite professor of all time who used to write for Rolling Stone. I told him, like, I want to do what you do. And he told me, he goes, um, I don't know. And, and this was what, like, really set me on, like, the right course. He said, I don't know what it is about you, but you have it. And it's not a describable it, but it's the it that I know the person who gave me my first writing job saw in me. And that was like all the fuel I needed because it was it felt like someone finally saw me and what I could contribute and like my nuanced and very like important perspective on things. And so like that just gave me I don't like looking for validation. I don't think I was, but being shocked by that gave me all the fuel I needed to like really pursue it. So I joined up with our like local paper. I think it was called the Panther Press at the time. And I started writing about music and entertainment because of that. I was like, let me do music reviews. And they let me do music reviews on video. And um, they started posting. them. Not that they got traction or anything, but I started like honing my skills that way. And I actually started, that's when I started seeing Anthony Fantano everywhere. The internet's busiest music nerd. Yeah. And I was like, yo, that's so cool. And I was like, but how can I make this my own thing? Like, I don't want to be like Anthony, but I want to do what Anthony does. I started studying him and watching him and the way he would describe music and finding those words. Like, honestly, I just started cracking open the sources. And because I'm like, <laughs> what kind of word is he using here? Finding words synonymous with what I felt when I listened to the music. And how it made me feel because I didn't come from like a production background. I didn't really play any instruments. I was never in the choir. Um, I cannot sing. I cannot rap, even though I like to think I can. <laughs> so I had to like learn the right terms. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, they posted a few of my videos. I got to write a couple articles and like my friends and my family supported them, <laughs> but like nothing. Fit. Then after doing that for like a year and a half, I joined another network on my um like at our school, but it was like independent of the school thing, if that okay. makes sense. But it was still ran through school. It was like a club more than anything, okay. but it was still ran through the school. And I started honing my like hard news skills at the same time. So I would write about entertainment and journalism and things like that. And I remember the first piece for me that really got attention was me writing about the passing of um, XXX Tentacion. Okay. And writing about just my opinion on him passing away and how I felt about him being so revered by a lot of people, but mm -hmm. him also being an abuser and people kind of glancing over that point. And I got a lot of hate for it, but I also got a lot of like, finally someone said this for, the, for yeah. it too. That was the moment I knew like, oh, I like doing this. Mm -hmm. Like that was the the moment. And so I kind of did that for my two years and then I went to New York and kind of got away from it, honestly, for a while. Why did you kind of start on TikTok? Like, when did that happen? When did that kind of occur? I mean, I feel like it was kind of meant for it to happen, but. It was because during the <laughs> pandemic, like I said, I got fired from my hard news job. I was like coming around on 24. My life was in shambles. I had to move back home with my parents uh, at the big age of 24 and what I didn't realize at the time was a lot of my friends from college and high school were doing the same thing but oh, I yeah. could see that because nobody posts that on Instagram it's like y'all are not being real like I know you're at home with your mom Rebecca stop <laughs> um but I started and my friend was like download TikTok and I was like uh that's for children I'm better than that we're on Twitter and so <laughs> I downloaded it because I saw a funny video and I go 
what peaked me immediately was like, oh, this is Vine, but 60 seconds. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm intrigued because Vine was like me and like my high school days. So I was like, oh, I realized it really wasn't. It was a lot of kids with bad opinions and bad takes. And I only saw two people on there who talked about music. And it was Will Talks Music, who has become one of my friends now. And mostly music were on there. And I was like, the 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 social media marketing minor in me goes oh there's a lane for you here pursue that so i'm not gonna lie i'm, I'm i kind of mucked around on the app for like i don't know i downloaded in march mm-hmm. i didn't really take tiktok seriously until november of that year i was like all right you got to start in november let's do this thing let's do this thing but i kind of had an obligation and so it made me severely limited in the amount of time I could dedicate to TikTok at that time. So from De- uh, from November to December, I kind of just was like, whatever. I took like at one point I took two weeks off from posting. You cannot do that on TikTok. Oh, no, you cannot do that anywhere on socials anymore. But I took two weeks off and I had one viral video in that time. And it was me reacting to someone who now is my friend through that video posting their rankings of like these women who sing okay and it was like the most odd comparison of people it'd be like beyonce ariana grande whitney houston <laughs> adele tori kelly uh jennifer hudson like <laughs> like just re- christina aguilera and i was like oh this is horrible <laughs> so i made like a reaction to it and then posted my list and then it was on from there like i gained 1400 followers in a day and it was nuts and then I took a break for two weeks because I'm stupid. And then I couldn't recover. And then I get to like, what is it? January. I'm at 1400 followers. This girl makes a video of like, what's your no skips? What's your favorite? No skips in four parts rattled off over like 300 albums with no skips. I'm pretty sure that is how I found you. I rattled off over 300 no skip albums, <laughs> which people were like, you're lying. All these aren't no skips. And I'm like, go through the playlist. They are all no skips. My account took off like within a week. I had 10K. Then I was like, OK, take the music criticism thing seriously. So I started like just reviewing people's albums and stuff. That's kind of how I got started. And I started DJing in lives. Yeah. Honestly, like at the beginning, there was like nine people in there with me. And I would just DJ, DJ, DJ because people didn't know I did that. And yeah. I would just DJ, which is something I picked up during the pandemic. Like I got bored and I had, I'm not going to lie. I used my little stimulus check and (laughs) I bought this big, big speaker behind me. I bought two of those. I bought my mixer and I just started DJing. That's so cool. I just started, I was like, I'm gonna figure it out. YouTube university again. Yeah, I was going to say, did you go to YouTube? Oh, a hundred percent. Thank you to DJ Carlo Antendido for teaching me how to DJ because that is how I learned on YouTube. And, um, Yeah, I would DJ in the lives and I noticed that I had really good engagement. Like it might only be nine people, but those nine people were staying for three hours while I literally mixed. I just was like, I'm bored. I need something to do. I learned like the five basics of DJing and then was like, as long as I learn that, I think I can figure out the rest. Like I have good like choice in music. Like Mm -hmm. I know because of high school being on the ox, the pressure was always on. I was built for this. And so, yeah, and I started booking gigs for it in the pandemic as well, like just DJing at um, restaurants where a lot of old people would be at. But they were like requesting old school hip hop. 
So I'd be like playing Biggie Smalls where like 90 year old white women would be like eating at like a gastropub. Yeah, because I honestly I found your videos and I would like go through them, but I honestly didn't even really know that you were a DJ also until Oh my god, my content had no continuity at the beginning. <laughs> I was like what I'm throwing everything at the wall if it sticks that's my niche. Like it was still all within music. Yeah. But I didn't know if criticism would take off or if like doing duets with people and seeing if I know the songs would take off or if my DJing would take off. I had no idea so that like that taking off just just ended up happening I have no yeah. idea how and like unfortunately my DJing didn't take off but because that pays more money than I feel like doing this would but I'll take whatever I'll take whatever yeah do you have like a formula that you kind of go through whenever you are critiquing something it's really funny because um okay so here's how it is okay. when I'm actually listening to critique something yes I do have a formula Okay. But if you're asking me if I get on TikTok and record and I have a specific way I'm saying things, absolutely fucking not. Like, absolutely. Like, I the only mandatory thing I must say in a video, is, hi, my, hi name my name is Pablo. Is Pablo. <laughs> that everything else is literally like, bing, okay, say that, bing, okay. Like, as I'm recording. But as far as me, when I'm listening to music, I stole it from Fantano. I listen to something, if it's an album, three times, if it's a single, more than that. Um, three times for an album. The first time's on like speakers, either these little white vinyl speakers or these big black speakers I have behind me. The second time's in my car. And the third time is on these headphones that I got on right here. Um, that is how I listen to it. Each time I listen to, for something different, um, it, the order varies. But the first one is usually, not usually, but one is lyrics. Like I'm listening to see, do you have any cool punchlines or anything interesting? Two, the second one is usually production and like how it sounds together, your voice with things. And then lastly is overall, like how does it overall make me feel? And on that last listen or the overall listen, I try to determine if you accomplish everything you were supposed to or tried to while um, like within within your genre. Okay. Like if you're a hip hop artist, they're like, are your bars good production wise? Are the are the drums thumping? Do you have any interesting elements in there? What producers are working on this with you? Um, your lyricism. And then overall, did you tell the story that you were trying to tell? Which if people didn't know, you're trying to figure out what an artist is trying to accomplish. The liner notes are on Apple Music. It's in the description. Uh, use that. And then that's a jumping off point for deciding if they accomplished what they were supposed to accomplish within your genre. So in those notes, they kind of put what the album is about essentially okay. and i'm like okay does this album make me feel this way though because okay. if it does you did your job but if it doesn't then you did it yeah and then the other elements obviously factor into it because depending on how your lyricism is in your production will help you accomplish those feelings as well like it's really not as difficult as people make it seem um it's not easy either i will mm -hmm. say but if you like music you enjoy music and you have a feel for music then you can do it. So whenever you're listening to them in those different places, does that, like, what does that do? Does that make oh, sense? Like so it's just me listening to it in different environments, trying to see what elements I can pick up on. Like, I admittedly pick up on way more of the smaller production details while I'm listening on headphones mm -hmm. than I would in a, like, car or on my vinyl speakers or whatever. Um, also, I liked 
to see how it makes me feel in different locations. Okay. Um, because like I was like listening to the Ally and AJ album a few weeks ago. Love yes. It. And listening to it in my house versus listening to my car gave me two different feelings. Like listening to my car. I live in Florida. So like I felt like the summer time, but listening to my house, it felt like something cute I could put on to work too. Yeah. Like I didn't feel so summery until uh-huh. I put it on in my car where you are listening to it can affect how you feel about it. Yeah. And also, I mean, it, I feel like that kind of makes sense with like different songs kind of connecting to different like moments in your life. Like, cause that's kind of facts. They trigger memories in specific places. Like, and I don't think people consider that either. Like I always tell people one of the best movies ever for music is Ladybird. And people are like, why? And I go, because those songs that she's using meant something in that particular moment, in that particular space, in that exact environment that we see them in. Yeah. Like that mattered a lot to her then because of all these other factors. If she were in her bedroom, it would not have felt the same. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you have like a song that you like to drive around to and then there's songs to clean your house to and all exactly. That. And I feel like this is like the funny thing. I feel like if you grew up black, you knew that, like, you know that because like I distinctly remember my mom having a playlist for cleaning and it was not a playlist we played anywhere else. It was for cleaning only. Hear it and you're cleaning up versus like if we're in the car, we're not. Honestly, if I was in the car with my parents, we were probably listening to like some Christian station anyway, like talk radio Christian. But like even now with with my parents, if I'm in the car with them, we're not listening to the same things we would be listening to while we're in our house doing stuff. So when you're listening to them, do you do you write down notes or is it kind of just like things that you remember? I write down notes. I usually what I usually do or make a notes app with my phone. I usually go track by track and like put something down mm-hmm. and like um, so like, oh, if I listen to it on my speakers first, it's on like a a notebook or a legal pad or something and I write down stuff and then I'll make like a mental uh not make a mental note but if I go and listen to my car I'll have it like on my phone same thing with my headphones I'll just have it on my phone and I'm just like okay write it down there and um then I put it all together and I look at what how it made me feel in different places and I see if the words are synonymous to each other mm-hmm. and or if different places evoke different feelings and find out which feeling was more dominant at the time and try to recall how I felt when I was in the car or how I felt there but the words describe how I felt yeah so and I compare the words and see which one was which feeling was stronger um kind of have a shorthand for it if I put it in all caps it's a strong feeling all lowercase is a meh if I capitalize a letter or two um it's like in the middle well you said that you kind of just make the tiktoks kind of like just say yeah, so I'll put it all together and then um, decide what I feel about the album. I will pick the ranking first. Like, I'll be like, this is like a seven out of 10. Okay. And then I'll get on TikTok and be like, just talk about what stuck out to me at the time and what messed it up for me also. Because I do write down what I don't like about it as well. Mm-hmm. So I'll put that out there. And then um, then I sit down and record and I'm just like, yep, this album, <laughs> review it, blah, 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 blah. And thankfully, I only have 60 seconds, so I can't screw up that bad. Yeah, that's fair. Whenever you put those out there, are you ever, like, worried about how people will, I guess, accept your critique? Or does that just not really come to your head? I think one of the things I've learned, and maybe this is just me, uh, I think 
my parents have humbled me beyond belief <laughs> and they have made me feel as though, and <laughs> I say this in a very nice way. I love my, parents. my opinions don't matter. Um, they don't, they're just mine. And I honestly, when I first making made the critiques and stuff, I wasn't really even making them for people. I was making them to kind of show a job, like, look what I can do. And then people just started liking and gravitating to the way I spoke, the things I did, and like my weird sense of humor sometimes. So no, am I looking for validation? No. If that's not your opinion, that's fine. But also like, and I hate to be annoying about it. I get paid for it now. So like, okay. Yeah. Like, like you you're like when people want to argue with me on the internet, I have to remind them like, and I'm not trying to be mean. I'm like, hey, bro, you're doing this for free. I'm not. Yeah. Like, I'm not doing it for free anymore. Like, this was fun before, but it's not anymore. Now you're like, eh, well, you can have your opinion, but mm-hmm. I can pay for mine. So, my, yeah, like, <laughs> not my opinion's not better than anyone's. I'm not saying that at all. But there's some people who literally get on there and comment just to have a gotcha moment with me now. And I think that's not what I'm used to. Yeah. Is the people just purposely trying to have a gotcha moment. And I hate when people try to make me feel dumb. So I do feel like, not obligated, but I want to engage with you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll I, like, I also have no problem admitting, okay, I'm wrong. But if I know I'm right about something, I'll go back and forth with you all day. Yeah. Until I realize like, oh, you just don't get it. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got <laughs> it. Just got another it. little TikToker. Just yeah. Like that. you're just someone on TikTok. It's always the people with like five followers too. I'd be like, dang, bro. Like you got suckered into arguing with someone with five followers. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. You just said that you started getting paid for them now. Is that through like, the like through TikTok itself or is it more through no so I don't like TikTok's paid partner program um no shade to them at all but once you hit the 10k and you join which I think they've changed now to 100k which is mm, a little scammy to me yeah I joined it for a while and I had two months where like I joined it in March and I did it or the end of February the end of February all the way through to uh April the first week of April I was in it And my videos were just getting hammered, like views were down, like next to no engagement, just hammered. And through that two months, I and I also had still with that, my views going down. I had three massive videos during Mm -hmm. that time, all broke between three and five hundred K views over that two months. I made eighty five dollars. That's it. Uh Two months. And I posted four times a day, four to six times a day every day except maybe four days during that time so out of 60 days i or whatever what is that 50 56 days yeah i posted so much and got nothing and i just realized too like personally that i was putting too much value in the monetary and i had to like take a step back and realize like hey you might be making money now but you didn't start this to make money you started this initially to get a job yeah and to like put your opinions out there and let people see your personality so don't be so dependent on it now. So I completely went off of that. I took myself out of the partnership program. And the next thing I know, I started getting like hit up for sponsorships. Can you promote this? Will you do this? Will you do that? And I was like, whoa, <laughs> why is this happening? Like I was seeing big accounts not even get, again, my marketing degree came back and I was like, oh, you idiot. You have high engagement. This is value. Yeah. Monetize it because like I will get 4,000 views and there will still be like 200 comments on something, which is crazy engagement rate for like four, only 4,000 views. So I was like, oh, you have leverage here. Use it. And that's what I basically did. So um, most of my sponsorships are coming like either later this month or in June. 
that I have so far. Well, I, like you said earlier, engagement is literally like people think having the followers is important. The big number, like, no, you could have, you know, a hundred followers. And as long as you're engaging with them, right? Like that's. And I think that's a thing that I did right from the jump is and tip for people out there. I started posing questions in the comments to get people to comment with me. So now on every video, I'm always the first comment Mm -hmm. and it's always a question or it's also in the video too. Like, I don't think people realize that I'm asking people to engage with me and I respond to almost everything because I have no life. Yeah. (laughs) No, I'm just fine. I respond to everything because honestly, the people that follow me are important to me. Like it's important to me that they see that I want to talk to them and I want to see their opinions on things too. Like I'm, like I said, my opinion isn't the only opinion and it's not always the right opinion. Like I don't always have right opinions. I mean, I don't believe there are consensus, right opinions, if you will. There are just facts and then there are opinions. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't think my opinions are ever bad. If yeah. You will. Like, I don't really think it's bad. I feel so, like opinions are very relative too, to like how. Yeah. And I know. think I make I think that's what people appreciate is that I'm abundantly clear that I've had to apologize a couple of times for. Honestly, this comes down to not having a script, just saying things I truly didn't mean or I shouldn't have said. Mm-hmm. I apologize at least two times for that. And I'm not afraid to take my like hold myself accountable for that. Yeah. Either. Like that's just like people make mistakes and it's okay to admit that you made one. Like, mm-hmm. but learn from that and don't do it again. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and another thing that I really appreciate about your videos and stuff too is like you kind of touched on this before um with your first like article about um XX that you put out, like just to this with your J. Cole kind of TikTok. You said like, you know, kind of stepping an artist back from their art and like them personally kind of yeah so I try to avoid bringing in people's personal lives into this like um a perfect example is Demi Lovato I never feel a need to take a shot at Demi Lovato for any of her drug issues because that's not part of her music until she makes her music about that yeah and even then I'm still just judging the music I'm not judging what you've done yeah um But when it comes down to certain artists, I think people have to realize that their music and their personality are so closely tied together. It's hard to critique one and not the other. Like, Mm -hmm. it's really easy to get them conflated. And like with J. Cole in particular, I don't hate the man. I don't dislike his music. I'm still going to review the album very well because it was a well put together album. Yeah. But I look at him different and I can't lie about that. It's not a different and a like, I'm never going to listen to you again. It's just a different and mm, I don't really like what you did. And it does make me view you as a person and as an artist and someone I really enjoyed listening to. And I feel like has made amazing music a little bit differently. Like it's just a different vantage point now that I see you from. Yeah. And that doesn't affect that you make good or bad music. That just affects how I see you. Yeah. It just affects on if you want to kind of keep listening to it or not or And even then, depending on what they've done, like, I don't see what J. Cole did with No Name as something that I won't listen to him, his Mm -hmm. music anymore over. I look at it as, oh, I'm going to be careful with how I engage with you and your fans because our politics don't line up. And I feel like you presented your politic one way and it's not that way. So I kind of have to keep you at a safe distance, but I will still listen to your music and review it fairly because the music and you are not the same person. Yeah. But with XXX, I do want to be clear. I didn't listen to that man's music and I didn't like him as a person. There's no reason for me to listen to your music after everything you've done. That's been well documented, both on camera and articles, things like that. There's no reason. I know people 
look at that as, oh, he was, he, it was a lie, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> okay, let's just be real. And I hate saying this. You could look at that man and tell he was a vile individual. It yep. just is what it is. And, and like, while again, I think a lot of that can be attributed to the way he grew up, the way he was raised, that's fine. But you're an adult now. You, yeah. like, at that point when he passed away, you had money to go to therapy, buddy. Yeah. And just the refusal to do that, get help, and just to double down on the behavior and continue to do bad things. I don't have to give you the benefit of the doubt anymore. You get the benefit of the doubt one time. And I feel that way about a lot of artists like Chris Brown, same thing. Like, and I yeah. just don't believe he deserves a, a billionth chance, but it doesn't matter. Like, as you see, the man yeah, he's still, been in, he's been, like recently he was in like two different songs. And I was like, and that's the thing I, I need people to realize if I don't listen to Chris Brown no more, that does not affect his pockets. Yeah. Let me live in peace. Yeah. Cause he is like, I, like, let me live in peace. Cause he is like, at the end of the day, all I'm saying is I don't like him. And he's still like, I'm getting a check though. Yeah. Let me like, live in peace. It's my moral decision. I feel better not listening to him. So let yeah. me live. I feel like, okay. I want to ask your opinion a little bit on Kanye and yeah. things of that nature. So what's and again, as like a massive, massive Kanye fan when I was younger, like I still have Kanye albums over here mm -hmm. and I still do buy some of Kanye's albums. I always pinpoint his mental decline. And yep. me and my mom talked about this all this, all the time to being his mom died. Like every, all signs point to his mother passing away. Kanye's mental state deteriorates, yep. which happens to people. I truthfully don't believe if his mom were alive, he would have even entertained the thought of marrying, uh, Kardashian and I and I feel like I can say that because I just think his mom has such an influence over her life like I don't think people realize number one Kanye didn't come from no hood ghetto nothing his mom's a doctorate educated black woman strong black woman she had so much influence on that man's life and mm -hmm. I feel like when he lost her he was lost yeah and so I think that led his mental health to deteriorate because honestly being that good at what you do you got to be a little borderline already yeah. And so I feel like that him losing his mom tipped him over the edge. Yeah. And, and then involved in re reality TV shows, like being surrounded by all that. It's a lot. And then you have these people worshiping you like you're a God and you're believing that. And don't get me wrong. I understand why Kanye, if you look into it, I get why Kanye originally called himself a God. Mm -hmm. uh, it made sense. It's one of those things where I feel like so many people are telling you, hey, man, you need to back up. You need to chill. You need to relax. And he's gotten to this point where he's so narcissistic that he can't see beyond that and once he got to the point saying that slavery was a it was a choice it doesn't matter how you phrase that in my opinion you would have never lasted a day being yeah. a slave like i'm sorry even i'm not afraid to admit that like i hate those t-shirts that be like oh this ain't my, i ain't my grandma you can catch these like no you're not your grandma because if you were you would have been dead yeah like, no that's just what it is like like so when you say something like that about the ancestors, man, that's questionable. Then I've seen him berate black women who wanted to be fans of him, but not have the same energy for white men or black men that do that to him. And unfortunately, I feel like Kanye needs a little time out. Um, I'm not above forgiving him at some point, but I got to know you get a mental health check. And I yeah. just also feel like People extend that grace to him and don't extend that to other, especially women, black women who have the same issues. So I've seen so many men say that Kanye deserves grace. He's bipolar. He's admitted. But y'all hate Azalea Banks for why? 
It's the same thing. Yeah. It's, it's the same. Now, don't get me wrong. Azalea has said way more problematic things. But if we're extending grace, because I'm not. But if if y'all are extending grace, extend it to everyone. Yeah. Because Azalea Banks fits in that Kanye West category. But y'all don't want to do that. So I'm like, what? it's it's a losing game. This cancel mm-hmm. cancel culture just doesn't exist. It's yeah. a lose. It's, 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 it's a myth. Well, and also because it's like, yes, like obviously Kanye's not doing great now, but you can't say that you can't say that his music wasn't influential and you can't say that he you know Kanye revolutionized the sample Kanye is a musical genius I won't put anything like that past he was never the best rapper but the man was going to have the sickest illest productions in a time where both Pharrell and Timbaland existed yeah and he was outdoing them handily at one point and so he's always going to be an icon a legend he changed music forever but it's also okay uh, also the way he treats his artists on his own label like he's fighting for his masters but won't give them back their masters he's just not a consistent man on his politic and i don't feel like the music now is good enough to support that like i'm not gonna lie you're not making good enough music for me to ignore it you're not you're not because some people are but he's not yeah and also like i feel at the same point, like, I mean, just how cancel culture has kind of been created now. It's like, we expect it even really exist. (laughs) That's the million dollar question. But it's like, we've created these people to be our influencers now. And they've, we've created them to be like our role models instead of just artists. If that make it, it makes any sense. Yeah. And sometimes in that way, I miss not miss, but I wish I would have been born in a different time. And this sounds so bad. I know it does. I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> but I miss when celebrities could hide that they were horrible people. Yeah. Like I do. Like I really do. Because I feel like this moral obligation now. Yeah. To, like a lot of people talk about Aretha Franklin. And I'm like, do y'all know that Aretha Franklin was literally a horrible person? Like literally. But it's fine though. But it's, yeah. It's fine. like, who's going to sing like that? Like yeah. back then people were like, mm, okay, whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> like until internet came around, it just was like, you could be horrible and people just didn't even hear about it. Yeah. I do miss that like naivety that we had. It's not that I want people to do bad things. I don't. And I do respect people that hold people accountable. I think I do that too. Um, It's not that I miss that. It's that every day I feel like someone's getting exposed for something and we have like this moral decision to make on who we do and don't cancel. And because it's so inconsistent, because people decide what people are worth in this society, and it's obviously like tied with race and sexual identity and gender identity and all this stuff, like it's never fair. And for mm-hmm. that reason alone, I just feel like I do in a way miss when you just didn't know about people's personal lives like that. There was no Twitter for you to get on there and say something dumb five years ago or 50 years ago. Like there was just nothing like that to get you caught up. And yeah. like I said, it's bad to know that people were bad people, but a lot of people that do get canceled, especially women and uh, people of color that get canceled, get canceled over the most minute things. Yeah. Like it's so disheartening to see that like, you know, these big like white male executives get to literally commit murder sometimes yeah. and be like, still amazing. Give him yeah. a job. As soon or- as he gets out of prison, give him a job. Yeah. Like what? And then like you'll see someone like Chrisette Michelle go perform at the inauguration for a check, mind you. And the woman's career has never recovered. Yeah. Ever. One of the best singers, R&B singers of the last 15 years won't recover now. Yeah. I feel like this kind of um, 
goes into it too, but you made it. Okay. I, I am a basic Ariana fan. I will no, do say. your thing. That's fine. I'm a white pop. I like artist. her too. I like her too. Ariana's but cool. You Taylor made a, too. So you made a TikTok about saying, I believe it was that Sweetener was like the best album. Her best that got, album. Yeah. That got overpushed because I mean, Pharrell produced it. Like then you're like, you just all like, thank you next because you're nosy. And I was like, um, I just got absolutely called out right now because it's so true because a reason why I didn't really listen to Sweetener or give it the time of day was because, which is so stupid thinking about it Let's now. Let's just but, be real. She wasn't talking about shit. Yeah. She and was, I was out like, there. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, mad at <laughs> I'm going to sound No, crazy. say it. Do it, do I it, was do mad it. at her because she was with Pete Davidson and I was like, I just don't. I just like, you're like, it's just not going to be, this is just not going to be it. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people felt that way. And again, like it's no disrespect. I think Thank You Next is a great album, but let's be real. People were invested in it, whether you intended to be or not because of her personal life. Like it just was what it was. Like, that's a lot of people now, especially. Yeah. Like after a big breakup, like I always tell people if Brad and Angelina were to like that whole Jennifer Aniston, Brad and were to happen today. Oh, baby. It was, and, and they were music artists. Oh, my God. Yeah. They're selling off the charts. Yeah. They're Literally. selling off the charts. Like, people want to hear about that. We as a society are just too nosy. It, we've created, and I just watched a video on this yesterday, and it talked about these parasocial relationships people think they have. Mm-hmm. And even with me now, people think they're my friend. And I'm, I, I tell people all the time, like, dog, y'all don't know me. Don't I don't be. know you. Like, don't be talking to me like you just know me like that. Like, it's fine to be nice and all that stuff. But like, we are not friends in no yeah. world. Are we are we homies or friends? And don't treat it as such. Like, you can be a fan of you can be a supporter of. And I would be grateful for that extent of support. But we're not friends and you cannot yeah. talk to me as such. You, you like and I'm not going to allow it. And I think that kind of turns people off to my content sometimes. But I also think that's why people like me, because I'm not. Like, I'm not accepting a parasocial relationship. We're not having that. And that's why I hate stand culture, though. Yeah. Because stand culture makes a bunch of people, and I, I hate to be mean about it because I know a lot of them are kids. Fan culture, stand culture makes a bunch of people who an artist absolutely has no idea exists feel like they do. You know, we got the word stand from the Eminem song. Mm-hmm. And that song is so great and pivotal. But I feel like people, especially celebrities, ignore the last line of the song where he literally is writing stand back saying you need to calm down. Like mm-hmm. you cannot be this obsessed with me. I don't know you like that. Yeah. You're doing a lot here and you might want to chill. And celebrities don't check their fans. Like say what y'all want about Demi Lovato. She has constantly checked her fans when they were wrong. Yeah. And I'll give her that credit. But you have all these massive artists, BTS, Taylor Swift, um, who else? Uh, Ariana. They just let their fans run rampant as if, them tweeting one thing would it almost stop it yeah completely yeah. sometimes like don't get me wrong you're always gonna have your unruly few and that's fine but like a simple like y'all need to chill would do so much and it does and they don't do it and they just like the the fan bases breed homophobia and racism and all these different things and it's like almost like the artist is like that's fine as long as y'all run up the numbers though yeah it makes critique almost impossible because if I say I love Ariana, I didn't like this song. Oh, you're a hater. Oh, my God. Like, you just don't like Ariana. 
I, uh, today I made a TikTok about uh, the Joe Budden podcast ending, whatever random. Someone comments, I can't believe you haven't talked about Nikki yet. Dude, I just came back from like a three day break. It's only Monday. Yeah, it's Monday. Like it's literally Monday. And especially after you just told me like how you go through critiquing and stuff like that, like that takes and, time. You think you're just going to listen to an album and give an opinion? And, like- es- and especially with like Nicki Minaj and I have to, that is the one artist where I know I have to phrase words very basically. The barbs will come people. after you. It's not even that I care they, that they come after me. It's that I know they're not comprehending if I say anything too crazy. Yeah. So I have to break it. And it does take me time because I'm expecting people to engage with me, like how we're talking, like at an adult level. And I forget sometimes that people on TikTok sometimes are 12. Yeah. And they're not even <laughs> understanding what I'm saying. Like they don't understand because of stand culture. They don't understand that critique is not bad. Critique yeah. is helpful for a lot of artists. And a lot of artists are looking for critiques. Like, I hope I have supporters dedicated like that because I am I need to pay my bills. So please be dedicated. But like, if I ever catch someone out there arguing on my behalf, uh, like just a little bit too much, I'm be like, delete this. Yeah. Like, please. <laughs> You're like, embarrassing it me. It's hard. And Nikki and Ariana and Taylor are like the three where I have to like kind of be like a, like a little bit of a snake when navigating them. Yeah. But for the most part, a lot of their fans understand. And I mm-hmm. think people got mad about the sweetener critique because or not sweetener, but thank you next, because they knew it was true. Like someone was like, it's so relatable. And I was like, but why is it relatable? Yeah. <laughs> like, also, what about it is relatable? Yeah. Yeah. It just is what it is. I just wish people would be honest. And yeah. I feel like that's what I try to make my TikToks about is like, if you're not going to reveal your true biases and your honesty, I, I'll do it for you. Yeah. I'll just do it. Yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about, okay, so you made a TikTok a little while ago, just um, being obviously a black queer person in the industry and how you obviously don't get the same opportunities as not at all white people. So I kind of just wanted to know a little bit about, or, you know, just whatever you want to kind of comment on about that, know your perspective a little bit. I mean, yeah. I mean, like I said, what Brie Larson said, which I love Brie Larson. A lot of people don't know that she actually made music um, and I'm a stan. Yeah, she had a song in like 2002. (laughs) Um, I'm a Brie Larson OG stan. Um, (laughs) Yeah, what she said is very accurate. Um, When you see reviews, it's often not done by a person of color. And if it is, it's because it's like everybody's going to look at you sideways if you don't let them. Like if you see like a Beyonce review, Odds are it's going to be by a person of color. Yeah. Because Beyonce will literally side check. Like, what are you doing? And also, you just can't talk about Beyonce and those things in depth. Like trying to no offense is no offense to anyone. Trying to watch a white person decipher the meaning of lemonade is the funniest shit. Because like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Let's just yeah. be real here. You don't know anything about what you're talking about. Like, you're not into the history like that because I don't expect them to do the research into that type of history either like mm-hmm. I, I i think you should alleviate yourself of this burden because i want to do it like this is my history too I, i'm fine with doing that history to find out why she used like the onk in her music video or what these passages mean that are written by black poets like i want to know that i don't expect you to do it but if you are going to review someone like beyonce who's doing stuff like that you have to be that in detail it's yeah. like unfair to do like you're cheapening the art it, it, it goes back to say when my one of my favorite white women have ever said Adele, the way Beyonce's music make black people feel. 
I believe it is just our right to at least review it first. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. We, we I don't I don't care if we're not all the reviews, but at least let us review it first. Yeah. And also let us review the artists that we like. Like I rarely see reviews of people like Smino or reviews of people like yeah like see again seeing a white person decipher telephone by no name hurt my hurt my head because what are you talking about like it's so like just surface level yeah I wish we had more opportunities I wish like if you look at the pitchfork staff everyone included on the masthead and in their in their thing three black people and all of pitchfork three black people from their two, one staff writer, one full-time staff writer, one contributor, and one person that's not even in the writing division, just as a executive, I guess, not even executive, just higher level. And there are, I want to say 27 of them total, 27 people total. I want to say 20 of them are white. And I want to say 13 of them or more are men. Bro, if you want to review your Strokes album, fine, fine, (laughs) do it, fine. But you're not going to sit here and tell me how I should feel about Beyonce. Matter of yeah. fact, you're not going to tell me how I should feel about any woman, period. Yeah. Because do you get it? Do you get it? Yeah. And then watching how just like different publications review the music and like watching them give really good black music low scores because they don't get it. Like it's it's literally racist. How can you only have three black people on your team when you know there are black people out there that want to do this work? That's like- number two. One. Number two, when you know those two black people can't cover all the black music. Yeah. Like it's either you're expecting them to cover every single black thing that ever comes out, which is ridiculous, or you don't even give them the black music that's important. Like you, no offense, I'm, there's levels to this thing. Mm-hmm. So like you don't even give them the Beyonce. You're giving them, and again, no offense, you're giving them Joe Schmo from Indiana. That's unfair. Like, that could literally change people's lives just by giving them the opportunity to review a Beyonce. You don't know if she's going to see it because I fully believe Beyonce be on the internet. She just has a Finsta. Yeah. Like, I truly believe that. How do you think these people begin these Ivy Park um, parts? Yeah. Like, just oh, random yeah, people. Yeah. Like, Beyonce, 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 has, a Finsta. Beyonce yeah. has a Beyonce has a Finsta. I don't care what nobody says. She'd be looking at our stuff, (laughs) but like, it's just unfair. And I wish I I think Brie Larson's um, idea was good. Whatever the demographics are like in America should be reflected in the newsroom, Mm. in all newsrooms, not just in like critic world or music world, all newsrooms. If it's, 30% 30% if it's what did she say 30 30 20 20 I think she said yeah that's what it needs to be like that's what it needs to be and those projects that are about black people or indigenous people that's who it needs to go to first it's really sad because and I, I think I said it in the TikTok it hurts my feelings mm-hmm. because I just know how much black music that everyone consumes and yet the people talking about it never look like me It's like the people making it look like me, but no one else who's talking about it or have big platforms talking about it look like you ever, ever, like never. How can you comment on like you? I think you said in the video, like that's something that's like, that's my life. Like that's the. Yeah. Like I live it every day. Yeah. I live like people uh, watching Pitchfork, let a white man review control. I literally cried about it because you don't even understand what she's saying. Like, 
Like, I would have even preferred a white woman to talk about because at least it's a woman. Yeah. But like, like, it's so frustrating because it's like, how do you relate to this? And it's not saying that, like, only men can like talk about men things and only women can talk about. No. But the point is giving people the opportunity to talk about those things first. First. And maybe if like you're a man who's kind of cool, because there's some men who are really like cool about reviewing women's music. They aren't misogynistic. They're very cool. I don't even so much mind them doing it, but just give it to people of color first. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Well, especially because then they can use that as kind of a ref- resource because then they can read those reviews and reframe how they're looking at that. And I and I tell people to think about it this way. Imagine how SZA feels getting feedback from a white man about music. <laughs> like, are you serious? Yeah. You're going to tell me how to feel about my breakup as a man who I've been constantly like, dogpiling on this entire album you're gonna tell me about my like you know how offended i would be and i just think people don't think that take that into consideration either and i think sometimes that's why artists are so not eager to do interviews anymore either because like don't get me wrong i love zane lowe i want his job that's like my goal i want zane lowe's job and i think a lot most of the artists like him because he's respectful Mm -hmm. but i'm sorry i think i would have had a better conversation with miley cyrus than he did (laughs) Like, I'm sorry. Because one, we're both queer. <laughs> Number two, like, you know, like, I just feel like I get, we get each other better. Yeah. And I love Zane Lowe. Like, I say this as someone who literally wants his job and thinks he's a great interviewer. I could have killed that more than you did. I'm yeah. just being honest. And and also, like, I think people have to realize, like, women also have the range to cover men's topics, too. Like, like they have the range to talk to men, whereas men only have the range to talk to men. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's like they don't have to extend themselves further than understanding men. They have one they don't language. They have one yeah. language. Whereas women speak multiple and black people even more and other people of cover, color even more and queer people, too. Like, yeah, it's like the more intersection you get, the more languages you speak over time. Mm-hmm. And it's like you have to know how to code switch and like all these different things and how to like cater to different conversations so you don't piss nobody off or you ask the right questions based on whatever like I know in a woman like an interview with a woman I can go way deeper or a non-binary person way deeper than I could with just like Harry Styles yeah and it's not because Harry Styles is like vapid or anything like that it's just like men have a very limited scope especially white men because this is the this is all they have to see yeah they don't have to care about it's a luxury not to care about anything else Mm -hmm. do you feel like you ever like within you know, music journalism stuff kind of like get stuck to the urban genre. Like a hundred percent. People think I have no range. And while a lot of times I rather stay in that lane because like, I'm like, I'm not gonna lie. If I stay in that lane, I literally can tell white people just like, shut up. Your opinion don't matter. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, versus like talking about a Taylor or whatever. Cause then it's like, I mean, I guess your opinion kind of counts over here. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like a lot of time I am typecast to that. And it's just like, no, but like, that's not like, don't get me wrong. My favorite genre is 90s r and I will mm-hmm. die by that. Black as hell. <laughs> but I love pop music. I love rock music. I love alt music. Like, I love those different things as well. And I feel like people try to box me in. And I think that's purposely why I rarely or minorly touch on hip hop. Because I'm not about to be your hip hop go to like black queer person. I'm not. Yeah not happening no no i don't want to be that i want to be able to cover everything and i feel like if i start with the bigger genres that are more routinely white then i can always go to hip-hop or r&b i can yeah. always do those things but you don't want to like pigeonhole yourself especially on tiktok i feel like that can yeah. easily happen people see you as one thing 
I got that advice from, oddly enough, Ricky Thompson and Denzel Dion. I heard them talking one time. They were saying that, uh, you know, like a lot of black creators, a lot of times don't seem the same, see the same amount of success as white creators. And while race and racism is part of that, a lot of the times is because they cater to one specific demographic. Mm -hmm. And he was saying like, that is fine if that's what you do, but you also have to tape your expectations to that as well. Like you have to realize that you're not going to be that you're not going to be a Fantano if all you do is cover like very obscure R&B music. Yeah. Like that's just not going to happen, you know? Yeah. And um, I think that's a fair thing to say. Like, I think that's very um, I think that's very fair. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know? Yeah. To me, the word urban is just another way. Like Tyler, the creator said another way to say the N word. Yeah, exactly. Is there any advice that you have for people who want to get into this industry? especially black queer people like how write write mainly write write early write often write all the time do your own thing start your own platforms like you can do it now tiktok what is the easiest platform to grow on do it jump on some trends pick a niche early um engage with people engage with your followers engage with random people on the for you page it works sometimes um and be kind to people like be kind. This industry is way more about who, you know, than what, you know, and mm-hmm. it's always been like that. And I feel like I am just now at 25 years old meeting the people that could literally make my career take off. Yeah. Like through different organizations, do some stuff for free. Don't like a check. Like I said earlier, a check doesn't always have to be attached. Do some stuff for free, but realize what value you bring and leverage that against things. Um, there's a lot of organizations and places that have open pitches. If you want to listen to a really good podcast about learning how to be a freelancer, listen to uh, the writing. Hold on. It's by Jenny Greeters and Wu Dan Yan. The Writers Co-Opt is what okay. it's called. Um, listen to them. Learn how to learn how to write. Like there's so many resources available now that I feel like I didn't have in college and stuff. But my biggest thing is uh, intern, make friends network go to all the little networking mixers also if you start going if you're of age there's unlimited alcohol so go um just do as much as you can if you're in college and you're in college for this talk to your professors literally that's how everything started for me i talked to my professors i became friends with them to this day i'm still friends with a lot of them just do as much as you can man like build yourself a platform if you got to get a little website on whatever Wix, I think Wix, Wix charges like 10 bucks a month or something stupid. Like ask your mom and dad to support that real quick. 10 bucks a month is not, it's a lot, but like just phrase it as it's not a lot. Yeah. And maybe they'll do it. Right. Just write as much as you can and don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Like my biggest thing is I've never, ever, no matter what has failed, I've had failed YouTube, failed podcasts before, no matter what, just put yourself out there and like pester people to support. Like yeah. you have to be your biggest champion. You have to be. Like you have to be your biggest champion. If you're not, it's not going to work. Yeah. And that's pretty much the main things I would say. Beautiful. I mean, I always post my own podcast stuff on my main page. I'm like, hey, guys, I'm just going to shamelessly plug myself. No, shamelessly plug um, in any way you can think of. Like at the end of the day, even if you go in someone's TikTok comments and plug yourself, who cares? cares? What are they going to do? Delete the comment? Okay. Yeah. I'm going to type it again. Keep (laughs) going. Like, just do what you have to do. And um, like I said, um just pay attention to trends and what's what's hot right now talk about things that are cool and that's it just make yourself available too like that's that's all you really can do and a lot of it is luck i'm not gonna lie 
Like a lot of it is luck and timing. And when the stars align, they align. Like I've been trying to do this on a major platform since I was 19 and I'm 25. It's taken six years for me to get here. And I feel like my career is just starting. So do, yeah, it takes time. Like it's nothing is overnight except industry plants, which I don't believe in. Um, (laughs) So, okay. And then the last thing, plug yourself, give all your socials. I'm going to have it linked in like the down, whatever, but still. Say okay. Uh, my name is Pablo the Don. You can find me on Instagram at Pablo dot the Don. You can find me. I need to really get these all together, but <laughs> you can find me on TikTok at Pablo the Don. Just all one word. Okay. You can find me on Twitter at Pablo Podcasto, Pablo Podcast, and then an O. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to get that changed, but they won't let me have Pablo the Don. It's annoying. <laughs> yeah, I do have a podcast coming. Um, y'all keep asking me about YouTube. I'm not doing it until it's worth it. So <laughs> it's just too much work. Um, and then other than that, there's always a link tree link in my bio where you can Mm -hmm. support my writing. I write for girls behind the rock show right now. Um, and I'm helping with their video team and also just editorial stuff. Um, I write there. Um, you can check out my Spotify and Apple music playlist. My at names on, on Spotify is Pablo the Don, uh, original creative. (laughs) Yeah. And my at name on, uh, what is it on, Apple Music. It's I am Pablo the Don. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. No continuity here. Just anything Pablo the Don. Pablo uh, Don. You can follow me there. I release playlists like every month, just about. Mm-hmm. I try to do one at least once a month. Um, and yeah, uh, engage with my comment. Leave comments. Give me your opinions, your thoughts on things. And that's it. Um, thank you for having me. I'm in yeah, that. No. Thank you. This is really fun. I've had a great time. No, this is literally- also the first podcast I've done with someone else. So yeah, oh you're my, my first one. I feel so, so honored. Oh, yeah. I hope I, no legit. I'm like, I hope I don't have to tell too many people my story too many more times, but I <laughs> guess I'm willing at this point. Um, so thank you for having me. You're a wonderful person to talk to. I can't wait to chat more outside of this. No, and, me too. Uh, I'm excited. This is like a marvelous show. Like, I love this. Thank you. Uh, well, thank you so much for agreeing to be on this. Cause honestly, I was really worried. I was like, I probably look like a creep. I'm like, Hey, no, you didn't. I get D. De- oh, I guess that's the only other thing. If it's not about music, don't be DMing me, please. <laughs> that's my only request. Like if it's not about music or you're not responding to something don't, and like, or like you're thanking me for my content, mm-hmm. like don't be sending me TikTok videos, please. Unless it's something like music related. Don't do that. Yeah. Thank y'all for the support. I really appreciate y'all. I'm, I'm at 43,000 followers right now That's with so a crazy. crazy engagement rate. And I hope y'all enjoy the content I have coming up because there's a lot more coming. I'm I'm very excited. I <laughs> love it. As I said, I'll literally sit and binge your videos. Cause Thank I'm- you. I appreciate <laughs> that. I'm glad someone other than myself thinks I'm kind of cool. <laughs> I think you're, I mean, I'm excited for your podcast too. One, I'm a podcast being on. Yeah, I'm but- excited for it too. It's my second attempt at a podcast. And so it's going to be way different than my first one. And so I'm really excited. No, I'm yeah. excited for you. All right. I will have everything linked down below for you. All right. Um, for the people listening, obviously. I got you. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for doing this. All righty, you guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Pablo because I know that I sure did. And actually, um, as I'm posting this, we recorded this a little bit ago. So as I'm posting this, they actually came out with their podcast just last week and had a new episode or a second episode, new episode today. So make sure you check out the back catalog. Um, it's 
basically just what they do, but in a longer form. So instead of just getting those one minute clips on TikTok from them, they go into depth more. Their one, their episode today was about industry plants. And as you kind of heard their opinion about it on this episode, now you can go a little bit more in depth and see why Pablo doesn't believe in industry plants. So I will have that link down below. I will have their TikTok, their Spotify, their iTunes, everywhere that you can follow them on there. Um, I really hope you enjoy this because I learned something new from it and that's what I want everyone to get out of an episode of this podcast. So send me people that you want to hear on the here that you want to see me have on here as a guest because you know I always want to put what you guys want to hear on here. So here on here. Wow. Let me say here one more time, maybe. Um, make sure you guys follow me at loudmouthpod on Instagram and on Twitter at loudmouth underscore pod. Um, I basically shit post on there, so it's pretty fun. So follow me on Twitter, Instagram. You can email me at loudmouthpod1 at gmail.com. Send me in your request for people, and I will talk to you guys next Wednesday. I love you all so much. I hope you have a great week, and remember to be loud, friends. Bye.